Hello, and welcome to Mindful Mentoring. I'm Tom Martin, host of the podcast and founder of the Martin Center for Mentorship and Communication at the College of Charleston. At the Martin Center, we're studying the keys to successful mentorships. And what we're finding is that both the mentor and the mentee have important roles to play in making the mentoring relationship work. On this podcast, we talk with both mentors and mentees to hear their stories about what worked and what could have been better. We hope to encourage more successful leaders to become mentors. And we hope these stories will inspire college students and recent graduates to make the most of the mentoring relationships they have, both the formal ones and the informal ones. Our guest today is Hayes Roth. Hayes has had a long and distinguished career in the fields of marketing and branding. He's the founder and principal of H.A. Roth Consulting, a marketing consulting firm specializing in strategic positioning, brand development, and client agency relationship building. He worked for 20 years at Landor Associates, one of the leading global branding firms, and for 10 years, he was the firm's chief marketing officer. He's also a longtime member and past chair of the National Advisory Council here at the College of Charleston. Hayes, welcome to Mindful Mentoring. Thank you, Tom. Great to be here. So, Hayes, let's just start with some of the mentors who've shaped your career. I mean, who are people that stand out to you who really made a difference along the way? There, I was fortunate to have a number of them. The first one, I would say, was Madeline Besch, who uh, somehow found me when I was working at an ad agency in Minneapolis. She had just moved there from New York uh, to work on the, to run the General Mills business. And we hit it off. I was a plebe, just learning my, the craft, so to speak. She brought me into the department, beat me up, cleaned me up, <laughs> and taught me how to really run an account and to be a good account manager, client service manager. So she was probably the first and most instrumental. And then after that, it was a series of people I worked with over the years. And when I got to New York, um, one of the key people as I transitioned into the branding world was I got to know the the late, great Ed Nay, who at the time was chairman uh, of Young and, the late, great Young and Rubicon, and uh, one of the great people in the industry, great lights in the industry. And he actually spent a lot of time with me and teaching me on things. And so... And there were many others along the way who also helped, but those two stand out. And how old were you at the time of that first of the first mentoring? I was uh, 24, I think. And how old was she? Oh, probably in her 30s yeah. at the time. Did you find, were you intimidated by her? Totally. Or? Yeah. Oh, I, I went home crying a couple times. <laughs> how, did you, how did you deal with that? Uh, she, a lot of people didn't, um, but I, she had a great heart and I knew what she was trying to do was make me a better at what I was. And she really had confidence in me. And there were times when uh, the chips were down when she backed me, uh, when I could have been thrown under the bus easily. And so I trusted her. And when she, you know, when I got my spankings or whatever they were, it was usually for, you know, she was trying to teach me something. And we actually, she was actually a lot of fun also. And I still, we still exchange Christmas cards. <laughs> now, that, it sounds like that wasn't a formal mentoring relationship. I have or? never had a formal mentoring relationship, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And how about with Ed Nay? How was he at the time that you really Oh, he would have been in his, uh, he was in the late 70s probably at the time, um, and one of the giants of the industry. So I was just lucky to have some time with him personally. 
Why do you think he took an interest in, in you and your career? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he he called me up out of the blue one time to ask me to work on a – I think it was United Negro College Fund, actually, the rebranding of that, and asked me personally to do it, and I was at Landor. I'd, I, I have a great story about my first encounter with him, which was, to me, one the epitome. But that experience of working on that project, and then he – then he'd call me up. Anytime he wanted some branding help, he'd call me up. And then he became friends with my wife and I, and we've been to our house. He's long since deceased, but um, it became a, a personal friendship. Well, tell the story. <laughs> so I had just moved from San Francisco to New York. I was in my, I was probably 33, and I was given the job of account manager on, account uh, supervisor on Jello. And Jello was plummeting at the time, and so they threw the kid from out of town on the project, and it was sort of sink or swim. And uh, I was expendable. But I managed to pull together a, a great SWAT team of people to figure out the problem. And we did actually some pretty revolutionary stuff at the time. Um, and But <laughs> it happened to be one of the oldest accounts at Young Rubicom and one of their most important ones, certainly emotionally for the agency. And so, And it was a big financial brand. So I got called down to Mr. Nay's office in the middle of this project that I was doing. And my boss had had, had to take a leave of absence. So I was kind of on my own on this thing. And I'd never met Ed. I'd seen him in the elevator. I was cordial. And I went down to the plan, the paneled offices and sat outside shaking in his office. And he called me in. And he's a very elegant gentleman. And he asked me to explain what we were doing. And one of the key things we were this is early 80s, so it was segmentation marketing. Nobody had really thought of it, and our team was sort of inventing it for it. And I explained all of it to him, and he said, well, the CEO of General Foods is a pretty smart guy, and he can smell BS a mile away. Do you think this is going to work? I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, then go do it. And I thought, my God, I walked out of there feeling 10 feet tall. That's great. And and I think that's what good mentors do, is they embolden you. They yeah. do. Yeah. Why do you think? Um, why do you think he trusted you? <laughs> I don't know. I was from Minnesota. I don't know. <laughs> um, I told him straight. I, I told him what we were doing, and uh, and I had confidence in what we were doing. So he uh, he he read character pretty well, I think. So it sounds like both those mentors they were effective, obviously, and they made a difference in your life. What, what do you think made them effective mentors? What do you think were the characteristics that really? Well, I would say Madeline, um, you had to sink or swim with her. She was tough. And so I don't – there were a lot of people who didn't um, didn't swim in the end. But if you understood where she was coming from, and, and she was really smart and really – and clients loved her. So if you understood that, then you would get on her wavelength. She didn't set out to be a mentor, but when she took charge of you, you knew that's what she was doing. Um with Ed, I, there were a lot of people who would – he was much beloved. And there were a lot of people who would claim him as a mentor because he was that guy. He, he was a great leader. And he understood what motivated people. And he had vision. And, um, and he could tell, like I said, he could also smell BS a mile away. So um, hopefully that was part of it. So some of the people listening to this podcast, I hope, will be our, some of our students or maybe recent graduates. And they deal with people like the two you've just described both the tough ones and the ones who, who uh, smell BS or whatever, how do you, what would you advise them of how to overcome that feeling of intimidation when they're encountering people like that who are in much bigger positions? That's a, that's a great question, Tom. Uh, and 
it's tough because I've been in many a client presentation where, uh, and a couple of them, you know, I've, I've backed, you know, to my eternal regret, I've backed away from. They weren't going to be mentors, but they were people who were intimidating. Um, and then I've been in play. I've since learned that <laughs> I can probably get around that. Um, but it's tough when you're young because these people are powerful. And it's, I see that in mentor relationships with successful people and young kids. And uh, in a professional mentoring situation like we have here at, uh, at the school, um, I would tell them, please, these, I tell them this when I talk to young kids. I say, these people, we're here to help you. This is the one place you don't have to be intimidated. They don't, they're not, you're not working for them. There's not a grade here. This is them trying to help you be a better you. And so take advantage. And it's tough because there's a natural barrier between youth and age. I like the thing. I learned as a young man that there was an amazing, Mark Twain had a wonderful saying about his father that as a child he thought he was an idiot and he was just astounded at how much he had learned. His father had learned and by the time he was 20, Mark was 25. But um, if you spend the time talking to people, older people or experienced, you'd be amazed at what you'll learn. And they, most of them, want to talk to you. So it's that dynamic, I think, that helps. So really, so for the student, it means both being willing to approach a mentor and, and, and talk to them, but also listen and yes. be open to what they, what they have to tell you. Right. And, and don't be fearful about something you're going to say. Um, and there's sometimes I've had to, as a mentor, I've had to give out some tough love. There's some things that are sort of basic about returning emails and things like that that sometimes take a little more time with others, some. Um, but if you are open to the opportunity, and I've been fortunate to have a number of young folks who took advantage of that and are doing really well and are still good friends. In a moment, we will talk to one of those Hayes Roth mentees who is doing very well. That's coming up right after this. You're listening to Mindful Mentoring with Tom Martin as we explore the science of mentoring, speaking with business executives, leaders, educators, and students. Additional episodes of this podcast are available on Buzzsprout, Apple, Spotify, and other apps where podcasts are found. Now let's get back to Tom Martin. Taylor Shaver is a College of Charleston graduate who was mentored by Hayes Roth. She is, as Hayes put it, doing really well in her professional career as co-founder and senior vice president of Integral, a communications agency based in New York City. So Taylor, what was it like being mentored by Hayes? Now, he told us that mentoring by him included sometimes a little tough love. Did you find that to be the case? Being mentored by Hayes was phenomenal. He helped me set a path for achieving my goals of moving to New York City after undergrad and helped me, you know, review my resume and prepare for um, that change of pace. And that also involves some tough love. You know, he'd ask me, you know, why do you want to do things? Uh, what's important to you? Really trying to get at the underlying why. Even after graduation, he would always, you know, poke and prod, like, why do you want to do this? What's driving you? And it was really great to have that person to go to who wouldn't just say, yeah, go do it. He'd question me, challenge me, and I'd get an outside perspective. So it was fantastic. Do you think being mentored by Hayes has helped you become a, a better mentor yourself? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hayes really helped me sit down and say, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? And let's build a roadmap to doing that. And I think taking that action oriented approach is something I definitely try to incorporate in my mentorship style. Well, thanks, Taylor. We really appreciate your comments on Hayes and you guys have had a, a wonderful relationship. It's, it's great to, to see it. Absolutely. I'm forever grateful for it. So Hayes, what motivated you to become a mentor in the first place? Uh, boy, first I, I saw the benefit I got from people who took an interest in me. There was also a moment, I think I was at the agency in Minneapolis when I was asked to give a little overview or a tour to a bunch of students. And I'd never done anything like that. And I hadn't, I was still just learning how to even present. It was a great, great experience. And I realized it's kind of fun. And what I also started to learn as I got more involved in that kind of thing was the, I guess one of the great rewards of being a teacher, you see the light go on. Something you say, something you do or show them or expose them to suddenly triggers a thought or a, an expression or an interest. And that's really rewarding. So about middle of the 80s, as I was, um, I think I'd left YNR, I don't remember exactly what time, but um, an organization called the, uh, at the time called the Advertising Educational Foundation. I got involved with them because, number one, I was looking for organization. I was on my own. I was doing my own thing, and I wanted organizations to align with. I thought that would be good networking. Um, and what they did is send people like me with experience out into colleges to give lectures at schools about advertising or marketing or whatever it was. And I found that really fun. I really enjoyed it and felt very rewarding. So I, I started pursuing that, and I did it every year, different colleges and some, a lot of them invited me back, Cornell in particular. And, uh, and then along came Tom Martin <laughs> at College of Charleston. When you invited me down to, to do that here, it was serendipity. It was great. You know, for all the good about mentoring, sometimes it just doesn't click. Sometimes it just doesn't work. When it doesn't work, what do you think is missing? And what do you think, uh, either from the student point of view or the mentor point of view, could be done to kind of save it? Uh, another great question. And, and frankly, I have had some that didn't work. And I have a philosophy, and I don't know if this is good or bad. Maybe with the mentoring center, we'll find out. But I don't pursue students. I, 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 I'm a little queasy about pushing the relationship. I'm there whenever they need me for whatever they need me for. Um, but if I don't hear from them after a while, I, I may send a note or something just saying, do we want to talk? But I don't push it. Um, I, I just I find that inappropriate, frankly. And, uh, and and there are some who just don't do it. Either they're too busy, they don't think they need it, they don't see the value. In one instance, somebody was uh, unfortunately having real problems at home and I think just kept trying to come back sort of, but not from this school. So that just didn't work. It was really disappointing, really disappointing. But I think it was also uh, I wasn't the right person for him anyway. And that may be, there, there's a matching process that is often difficult to do. And I know we're working on that with the, the center, um, but often you get thrown in with these people and they don't know you really and you don't know them and you're supposed to, it's like a dating thing. And sometimes you're just not meant for each other. It doesn't click. I might be too old for some of them uh, or the wrong kind of experience or just not what they're looking for. The more we can learn about how to prevent that and to um, do the, the work up front maybe to make sure that the connection is built on some common threads. And I know you try to do that, Tom, and it's worked most of the time. Um, and there's some people who are just they're shy. It's just hard for them. They, they know they kind of want it, but 
to actually initiate it. They get distracted. Other things happen. Yeah, and we are doing research on that. And I think one of the things that we're finding already is that we have to set expectations that are realistic, uh, really both for the student and for the mentor. Right. Because sometimes students look at mentoring as, well, that's someone who's going to help me get a job. Well, that's not what really what the, our program is designed for. And probably most mentoring programs are not really meant for that. It's meant to help them improve their own skills so that they're better equipped when they do seek a job. Yeah. It is that, but it's not to just find them a job, you know. Um, so I think maybe being clear about expectations is, you know, is part of the, the deal. And we're trying to give them a bigger voice in the matching process, too, so that they can feel like they've not just been handed a mentor, but they have a, had a chance to evaluate yes. and, you know, select one. I so. think that could help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, another thing that is uh, sort of a related, not directly, but um, but I, I just walking in or walking into uh, if you're in an office and you see there's a manager who you like or you think is doing things that you really – want to learn about, bring two cups of coffee and walk in the door and say, if you've got 10 minutes, I would love to pick your brain on something. It's so flattering to most people. And if they're busy, they'll say, look, I can't do it now, but let's pick a time or let's go to lunch or whatever it is. But take the initiative because you'll be amazed at how someone will respond to that so positively. That's great advice. And I, and I think that one of the things that I've, that I've seen a lot is that this is not something that's meant just for students. In other words, mentoring is not something that you that once you're done with college and you have your first job, you're done. It's a lifelong process, really. And I think that's a great suggestion to, to just seek out the people that you respect and that you've seen their work and just ask them for you know their time. And, and I think most of them, like you say, are going to be quite happy and flattered to, yeah. to give it. One of the things that's affected that, obviously, is the remote working. And uh, how do you feel that's – what do you feel if a student is working remotely or, or you know, young professionals working remotely, what can they do to sort of mitigate that distance that, that's, that's inevitably there? Well, you know, we all had to do that at COVID. Um, and I think we had mentors and mentees during COVID, and we made it work. And I think you – the principles don't change. If it's not – if there's no formal mentoring program in an organization – and I know some are trying to do that uh, – but if there isn't one – Find somebody that you like. You're working with these people at the time. You have meetings with them. Send them a note and say, I'd love to have a little offline time with you. On, you know, Let's set up a Zoom separately or a phone call or whatever. I don't think it's that complicated. It's not the same as being across the table, but the results can be very similar. Well, that's a, good, that's a good, good advice. I mean, I heard someone speak recently who said in this time of hybrid work, which is becoming more and more common, that you've got to be intentional about building relationships and be yes. intentional about, you know, learning from others because you, it's not just going to happen at the water cooler because the water cooler is not there anymore, <laughs> right? So um, what advice for, for people who might be thinking about becoming a mentor, either formally or informally, what advice would you have uh, for people in that situation? Well, you have to be serious about it. You have to be committed. You can't say, oh, I'd like, uh, sure, I'd like to do that. Have them call me. You've got to want to make the time because it is time. And there are plenty of times I'm asked to either spend time with somebody or help review a resume or other things that I've had. It's like, oh, my God, I'm, how am I going to do this? i got five other things that I actually have to do. But you make time. It's important. They're depending on you. You committed to it, so you do it. And it's always less of a hassle than you think it's going to be. And it's always got the reward at the other end of somebody actually taking something positive away out of it. And so I, 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 not everybody's cut out for it. I know plenty of great managers and people who don't want to deal with that. That's okay. Um, but 
if you really care about young people, if you really and if you benefited yourself from a great mentor or mentors, you kind of owe it, <laughs> you know, pay it forward. And so I would really encourage people to do it. It, it. There are so many rewards to it. There are lifelong friendships that I have that have come out of this. And uh, and to watch someone grow in their business, which we're now able to do with Martin Scholars, you know, what is it? How many years have you been doing this? So, uh, this is our eighth cohort. Eighth year. 100, 100 scholars. 100 yeah. scholars, right? And watching them on LinkedIn and the achievements that they do is just, it makes my day. It yeah. makes my day. Yeah. So there's so much in it for somebody, but you can't do it half hours, as they say. Right, right. And then I guess the the last thing is just what about a, advice for students? If you're if you're a student and you've been put into a mentoring program, or you or you've been given the opportunity to be in a mentoring program, what advice would you have them, for them to make it work? Well, the first thing is that take it take advantage. Don't. This is rare. Not every school does this. Not every company has this. And so, if you have a if there's a program that allows this, then then sign up. And then take it seriously. Just like the mentor has to take it seriously, you have to make your own commitment. Great thing to do is set up, you know, we know students are busy and they've got a life. They don't want to talk to us all the time. Um, But set up once a month, right, a call. And then any other time that something pops up, but at least have a set pattern so that on Thursday afternoon at 2 or whatever it is, you guys have at least a, you know, a 20-minute, half-hour chat. And that makes sort of forces you to get there. It forces you to think about it before you get there, and you will benefit from it. I promise. Yeah, the thing I've also told students is you're doing things in your own college experience that would be of interest to your mentor. Yes, you know, there's there's things with AI that are happening right now. There's oh things with TikTok that are happening that that the mentor might not be as up to speed on as you are, and not so up to speed, you know, <laughs> you know, clueless. As yeah, <laughs> so offer them that that knowledge that you yeah. have from your from your point of view. Exactly. It's a two-way street. You can really, all of you can learn and, uh, and benefit. It's a wonderful opportunity. I want to thank our guest, Hayes Roth, for joining us today. I also want to thank you for listening, and we'd like to hear from you. If you have suggestions on future guests or aspects of mentoring that you'd like us to cover, please drop me an email at martintr at cofc.edu. We'll be back soon with another episode of Mindful Mentoring.